Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm a feminist, but I secretly love the film Dirty Dancing. And if a friend really, really needed an abortion, I admit I would enjoy saving her by letting a Johnny-like dance instructor teach me the merengue. (laughs) This does not affect my pro-choice dance. (laughs) I feel like some of the people in this room are not au fait with the plot of Dirty Dancing. (laughs) And you just think it's a movie about a woman learning to dance. No, it's a... It's a movie about a woman helping another woman get an abortion by learning to dance. That's key information to find that piece funny. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't know that. No, that's clear. It's clear that most people did not know that now. Deborah's having a meltdown. Uh, (laughs) Save the show. That's the plot. plot. I've watched a lot. Penny. It's about America in the 50s where abortions were not... Uh, you can't just say Penny and then say another sentence. What's Penny? Penny's, a, Penny's, Penny's the blonde dancer. I mean, it's, the, it's a paper-thin... Baby, baby? It's a paper-thin plot, yes. <laughs> the ones who should not be put in a corner. That is that one. Right. Yeah. That's Penny. So, so Penny is the tall one who's already a very good dancer. Okay. But she's knocked up. That's what they say in the movie. And she needs an abortion. And they're not, you know, easily available the, no. way, the way they are in Idaho now. <laughs> 
hashtag politics. <laughs> what then, like the the mayor is like, but if you dance with my son, if you, if you let him put me, you in a corner. I think you're confusing it with Footloose. Uh, now that's a good film. Uh, when he gets so no. angry, he just has to dance. <laughs> Imagine, it's the best. imagine that if that was what happened when men got really, really, really angry. It was like, oh, oh, why do you look so tired? Oh, Johnny got really angry last night, so we did the cha cha cha. <gasps> you should leave him. It's true, we wouldn't leave those men, would we? Angry men would be very desirable. Yeah. Yeah. You'd be like, oh, I forgot to do the dishes, honey. Oh. In what oh. world do you make a man angry by saying, I forgot to do the dishes? What year is this? It's not 1955. This is the fantasy. I am a feminist, but I once met a guy who was a vegetarian who was so hot that I became a vegetarian. <laughs> We were together for three weeks. It worked. I'm a feminist, but I secretly like the movie Dirty Dancing. And my favourite parts are when Johnny is moody and high-handed with Baby because she is not getting the steps right. And if he were teaching me, I might deliberately get the steps wrong. (laughs) So he would scold me and then lift me up high above his head with his strong arms in a lake. You really need to have seen the, the film. How can you not have seen the film? I'm making you come to my house and you're just going to watch it. On oh, that sounds more threatening than it should have been. Something. would you like to come to my house for a movie night? Not, I'm going to make you come to my house. I'm sorry, I cannot continue to do the show with you unless you've seen it. It's a deal breaker. Come on. I'm a feminist, but I once met a campaign worker for an animal's rights movement who was so hot that I became vegan. (laughs) That lasted 30 days. I'm a feminist, but when my friend said that Dirty Dancing was unfeminist, and where is the sequel film about Frances Houseman, baby's real name, joining the Peace Corps like she tells Johnny she's going to, I thought... I would not watch that movie. (laughs) But you wouldn't, would you? Say, I'm a feminist, but I once met a butcher (laughs) who was so hot that I stopped being vegan. (laughs) We didn't even speak. (laughs) Two of those, please. You just order one of his sausages. Mm-hmm, two. <laughs> I know that, that didn't make that sense. Sounds no, I, know. Like that didn't make sense. <laughs> I know that sounds a lot sense. like he had two penises. You Which never you, know. I feel you is never too know. many. Be- <laughs> I suppose it what? could come in handy. Yeah. <laughs> we cannot continue doing this show until you acknowledge that two penises would be brilliant. <laughs> Look, I would say sometimes it would be brilliant and other times it would be surplus to requirements. It would be what, what? Surplus to requirements. I, you can't just say difficult words. It would be more than strictly necessary. Sometimes one penis is too much. Are you... Is this, do you daddy talk this way? Oh, I believe it's a surplus to necessity of the... Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, bring over that requirement and I'll make sure it's not surplus. Sure. <laughs> 
King's Place in London, the Spontaneity Chef presents The Guilty Feminist with Sophie Hagen from Death of Finders Wife. And tonight, special guest today, the Emily Glassman, talking about the plan. This is The Guilty Feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and the hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. Crying. Crying. Your favourite topic for uh, life. Why is it my favourite topic for life, though? You cry all the time. So, <laughs> that's not, hey, that's not a bad thing. I just make a statement. I think cry, saying that I cry all the time is an exaggeration of the situation. What, gonna, I cry more cry than... About, <laughs> about me saying that? Is that what's happening? <laughs> what, what was your challenge, Deborah? I cry more than you, which is never... Yeah, Sophie hasn't cried since she was six, and uh, she went through a lot of therapy, learnt to cry, cried once, and decided she wasn't into it. And has never cried again. Got it all out. Got it all out. Okay, so my challenge. So normally we go out of our way to go and do something. You know, we go and go to a place and we do a thing. And I thought crying's really difficult because you can't just go, oh, I'll go and cry at somebody. I've known I've been doing this topic for about a month and a half, so I thought I am just going to be alert for crying opportunities <laughs> and lean into them or out of them in different ways than normal. So what I thought my challenge would be is either crying in a place where I wouldn't normally cry or stopping myself crying in a place where I would normally cry. I am quite in touch with my tears. I can cry quite easily. Not as easily as Sophie. So when do I cry in front of you, Sophie? You've cried at least like four times within the last two months. Really? In front of me. Yeah. Have I? Yeah, I don't even remember. You cried twice during the last episode. <laughs> oh, okay. That was about Brexit. I, everyone cried about Brexit. You cried after my show. Oh, I which did. Which had cry a very happy ending, I thought. It had a poignant ending. I cried. I watched Sophie's new Edinburgh show, and it was very, very funny throughout. And at the end, there was a really sort of, it really got me right here. And uh, so when she came off, I was crying, which I thought she would see as a compliment. But she just turned her back on me and walked away <laughs> because I was showing basic human emotion, which made her deeply uncomfortable. Excessive human emotion. Yeah, she got... It was surplus to requirements. And she got very Scandinavian. So I thought, well, it'll be, you know, a situation like that. But actually, what happened was I went to meet somebody... This person said to me, look, I feel really bad about this, that, you know, we haven't connected on this. And I said, oh, well, you know, I could have connected with you and I didn't. And she said, yes, but really it was down to me. And I said, well, yes, I suppose so. And then she got upset and started to cry. Normally, if someone cried and said, oh, I feel terrible, my reaction would be to cry too. And I just decided in that moment to manage my feelings and manage hers so I just became like the grown-up and said oh gosh please don't worry about it and I gave her a hug and I was not emotional at all I just absolutely let her have that and didn't make it sort of a joint crying sex and city moment <laughs> and I thought oh this is what it must be like for Sophie dealing with me <laughs> I just took charge took control you know I didn't lean into the crying. So now you know how to do that mm. for the future situations <laughs> where I'm present. Right, yes. So I can never cry in front of you again now. I've learned Thank how to you. do it. <laughs> Welcome to the stage, Deborah Francis White. I think 
crying is like the emotional equivalent of an erection. I mean, it doesn't happen when you want it to, and it does happen when you don't. That's basically it, isn't it? You know, sometimes at the end of a long week, you're very tired, you're hormonal. All you want to do is come home and have a good cry, because you know you're going to feel better. And you get in the bath with a full bottle of Merlot and nothing. It won't come, much like an erection, sir. You, you're hoping it'll turn up and then... Whoa, the pressure. The pressure to perform. Crying's like that, isn't it? On the other hand, you don't want it to happen because you're in a meeting and you're sitting there and then Alan says the wrong thing. He, you know, implies that your project that you've been working on for six months that you've been heading up is basically a waste of time and no one's going to go any further with it and you've basically just wasted your life. We well, hasn't said that, but he's heavily implied it. I mean, everyone knows that is what he said. That is absolutely what he said. Except Everyone except Alan knows that's what he said because Alan has no feelings and hates you. And, and, and at this point, all you want is that professional face where you just sit there and say... Well, Alan, I guess we have to agree to disagree. But instead, what you say is, Alan, I suppose we have to agree to... Sorry, I've just got to go. It's the erection of emotions. Sometimes you have the emotional equivalent of a semi on a bus. It's just the vibrations. Do you know what I mean? Like, you see an advert with a sad dog. Not that you would get an erection then, but that you would... That she would suddenly start welling up. And I'm not in any way implying that men have erections and women have crying. I think crying goes right across gender lines. I think, I'm sure there's some study about who cries more or what the fuck ever, but the reality is a lot of the main criers in my life are men. Does anybody else have this? Just go, hmm, if you have a lot of male criers in your life. Okay, not as many as I'd hoped. I have a lot of men who cry in my life. And now I'm starting to think that's me (laughs) and that I'm the common denominator. Thank you very much. What about you? Um, What was your challenge? Well, I mean, crying is such a... I don't know if you guys have picked up on this, but I'm not really good with feelings. It's my family. like It's how we deal with things. Like, when my grandfather got cancer, my mom would send me a text while I was at work saying, oh, your grandfather's dying, but let's not make a big deal of it. And I was like, okay. (laughs) And that was it. We cried for, like, five minutes at the funeral. Then the minister said something funny, and I laughed and ruined it. And that was it. I feel a bit terrible about it, just from, like, when my best friend in the entire world, something happened to her, and she was crying in front of me, and I just wanted to leave. I love her so much, so of course I didn't, but... I couldn't deal with it. It was too, I don't know, like vulnerable or too like bare. So I, I'm really ashamed of this, and I, I'm only saying this because I know she won't listen. Uh, so I, the only thing I could say, I didn't know what to say. So I started quoting a movie, and I just started saying, "It's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's not." And she, it worked. And I'm just hoping she never sees Goodwill Hunting. <laughs> really hoping she will never see I mean that'll ruin everything I'm so so bad at it again it's like a guilt thing for me because I I broke up with a boyfriend over text because I couldn't deal with him crying and it was either that or just disappearing like I was with my ex-boyfriend for three years because the first time I tried to break up with him he cried and I was like oh okay (laughs) oh guess I'm staying (laughs) I guess I'm gonna 
to get married now. I just can't. And so your option is to ghost someone or stay with them for life. <laughs> yeah, they are your options. Well, now I'm just staying with never committing to anyone ever, and it feels so good. So I was thinking about this because I felt quite guilty that I couldn't do this, and I feel like I can't really be like a support for someone who's really sad. But then I'm one of my best friends. He's kind of like me. Like he's also completely emotionally shunned and can't, you know, talk about his feelings. He can't show his feelings. He hates talking about feelings. And he went through a very rough time, which he kind of told me very indirectly because he would never just tell me to my face. And I realized after he'd been going through this thing for a few months that I was the only one he'd spoken to because he wouldn't talk to any of his other friends because they would start talking about feelings. Mm. So he would go to me and just be like, oh, broke my phone again because, <laughs> you know, I got, you know, felt something and I broke it and I just called him an idiot and we'd laugh a bit. And that would be the only way he could deal with the thing. So I kind of felt like maybe that's okay if, if that's a way I can be for someone who is like me. Like, if I had a really rough time, I'd probably go to him before I'd go to someone who would cry. Right, who would, who would have feelings about it. But if something yeah. terrible and tragic happened in your life, would you just not deal with it, or you would seek out people who were going to talk about sport? <laughs> Why make it worse? Uh, well, I, I had a breakup about a year ago, and... It caught me by surprise because it's about control, really. It's about, like I'm, I can cry when I'm alone. Oh, I can cry when I'm alone. Oh, oh, oh god! Every single like final episode of any season of anything. <laughs> Remember when Michael J. Fox left Spin City? Oh, I can't even. <laughs> Remember? Oh, Michael, it's the worst. But then uh, there was a breakup, and I hadn't seen it coming because usually if I can see something coming, I can either you know avoid it or be the first one to do something. But I really hadn't seen this coming. And I just broke down and cried in front of him. And it felt so good that I just kept crying <laughs> for way too long. How, how, wait, At how one point he was cry? like, oh, I mean, a good 25 hours. <gasps> 25 hours? Yeah, and he asked if he could sleep because <laughs> I just kept crying. It felt really good. But here's the thing. Was, he was, so you've saved up all your crying yeah, over him. 25 years into a 25-hour period. Yeah. And then what, you'll cry again when you're 50? Uh, yeah. It's just every, things... 20, every 25 years you cry for 25 hours. That's <laughs> what we're uh, seeing at the moment. That would be so good. Please welcome to the stage Dr. Emily Grassman, who is an expert in molecular biology and genetics with a double first in natural sciences from Queen's College, Cambridge, and a PhD in cancer research. She's also an actress and now combines her skills as a science broadcaster and educator. Please welcome to the stage Dr. Emily Grassman. I'm doing a Hollywood kiss. <laughs> so you're somewhat of an expert on crying. Why is it that women cry more than men, or at least are perceived to cry more than men? <laughs> I think it's socially acceptable for women to cry more than men, so they allow themselves to cry more than men. I think the desire is innate in all of us as human beings to express our emotions and to show our emotions. I mean, up to the age of puberty, children of both sexes cry the same amount. Right. And whether it's innate differences or social conditioning, it's kind of difficult to tell, but... Look around us, look around at the taboo that is around an expression of emotion, particularly in men. 
I wrote an article recently for Standard Issue. It was in response to a bunch of stuff that had happened. There was a rape in a campus college. There was the football hooliganism. And then there was a big, horrible mass shooting. And there was all this sort of, you know, on Twitter, hashtag not all men, don't blame all men. And I wrote an article which said, yes, hashtag not all men, obviously not all men, but hashtag it is always a man. 98% of mass shootings are done by men. I'm amazed... Who are those two others? I've never heard of a mass shooting by a woman. And men are far more likely as well to suffer from anxiety, depression. Suicides. Suicides, it's the biggest killer of men under the age of 40. Men are three to four times more likely to commit suicide, to suffer from anxiety and depression. Design, and die from heart attacks, which is stress. Stress-related diseases, So do exactly. you think we need to be not encouraging women to cry less, but men to cry more? Oh, absolutely. We need to be encouraging men to cry more, women who feel that they shouldn't be crying as much as they might like to or might feel is natural to cry as much as they want to. I believe, and a lot of experts believe, that this socialisation around a taboo and a stigmatisation around expressing emotion is hugely damaging, particularly to men and to society, because there's two extremes that one can go. If we don't express our emotions and we don't let them come through us and we don't allow them to flow naturally, firstly, we can't process how we're feeling. We can't let it out and we can't move on. Secondly, one option is that we keep it in, so we stuff it down, we bundle it inside and we push it down. That leads to anxiety, stress, depression and is a kind of trapped feeling. We can't be creative when we're like that. We can't empathise with others. We can't think freely. And it can lead to huge, as you said, um, stress-related illnesses. The other extreme, which is exactly how you started, is that it then comes out as a sort of unhealthy bouts of anger or aggression, which is basically the repressed emotion just spurting out, neither of which is manageable or, or good for the person who's doing it or for the people around them. She did a TED talk about this, and that's how I know you. You did a TED talk about crying in, in science <laughs> stuff world. <laughs> that, that, that was the precise title Isn't of it? it. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> how, how are the reactions to that? Did you get any reactions from men in particular about this topic? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I basically spoke about the fact that I cry, women cry, so what? We should be encouraging more men to cry. And actually, in science, not only is it not a bad thing, but it's actually quite a good thing and it should be encouraged. And it can lead to qualities such as uh, what I call the three Cs, compassion, collaboration and creativity, all of which are as crucial in science as they are in all other aspects of life. And you say, what was the response? Well, basically, the response initially was what caused me to write the talk, which was that when I spoke about those issues on a national news programme, uh, I got a huge backlash on Twitter and on YouTube under the clip of the, the debate on Sky News that I was on. That, or, this was at the time of Tim Hunt. Do you guys all remember Tim Hunt, the scientist, yeah, saying... Okay. So to put it in context, he made his comment at a conference full of female scientists. It's now been debated whether or not he was joking or not, but in my opinion, it doesn't really matter because mm. what he said was, I felt not bad or wrong or awful, didn't make him a bad person, but it was irresponsible for someone in his position, which was that he said, my trouble with girls in the lab is when you criticise them, they cry. And he also mentioned falling in love with them, they fall in love with you. Now, whether it was meant as a joke, to my mind, doesn't matter. But as a Many few women have fallen in love with him since he said that. <laughs> but as a science educator, someone who inspires and educates young people to follow careers in science, particularly girls, something I come up against a lot is a lot of girls lacking confidence to pursue careers in science or thinking, more importantly, that they don't have the right qualities to be scientists. And they think they're too emotional, too sensitive, too creative to be a scientist because of this stereotypical image we have of scientists being cold, hard, logical, unemotional, and, of course, male. Mm. So comments like that 
to my mind as an educator, are, are kind of irresponsible because it conflates this idea of being emotional, being female, and something wrong. Mm. So I went on Sky News on the day of the report and said exactly what I've just said now, that I thought it was irresponsible, and yet, yes, I cry, and I'm very emotional, and I'm a scientist, and what's the problem? And totally to my shock, I mean, perhaps I was incredibly naive, but um, I received thousands and thousands of angry and humiliating and mocking comments on Twitter, and like I said, under the comments feed, under the clip on YouTube. And a lot of them were attacking me personally, because I also said that we should be supporting and encouraging women to be scientists. I mean, totally controversial, I know. Um, (laughs) But a lot of them were attacking me. But the ones that actually upset me more were the ones that felt they were attacking me as a representative of all women, saying that women were not clever enough to be scientists, were too emotional and too illogical, irrational, comments like there's no crying in science. These so-called touchy-feely qualities of women are of no importance to science. And women are too sensitive for science. These kinds of comments. And that's what inspired me to write my TEDx talk, which was called Why Science Needs People Who Cry. Because actually what it was showing to me was that there's this idea that an expression of emotion um, is something bad and wrong and can get in the way of Mm. doing good work. And actually since going public and starting to talk about this a lot, I've actually been talked about in the national press as people like me should man up. They're saying, you know, people like me shouldn't be at home crying on their own. They should be out and fighting the trolls and fighting back. And I've let them win by admitting that I cried over it. And I'm like, no, by admitting I cried over it, I'm saying that I allowed it to affect me. I allowed it to pass through me. I felt what it felt to feel the pain of all these centuries of women who have been repressed in this way and who've been told that it's not okay to cry. And from that place of feeling that sadness and feeling that pain and feeling that confusion and frustration and that silencing that was going on, I then came back and went, right, I want to write about this and I want to talk about it. This is the implication, isn't it, that male things are good and female things are less good. There was, uh, in a Danish newspaper, like a week ago, there was <laughs> this tiny little thing that said uh, female characteristica and male characteristica, and the male were, like, strong, independent, powerful, and the women were, like, sensitive, sweet, caring, <sighs> nurturing, and people were like, this is 2016, how, oh. are these, how are these things? Well, it's two things going on there. One is the stereotype that all women and all men, and the other is that somehow compassion is less good than sort of relentless, powerful, Machiavellian country. <laughs> but that's why, that's why there were, like, Instagram accounts and Tumblr accounts for, like, men with kids. Like, oh, my God. Oh, God. Oh, my God, have you seen? If he holds a baby with the, and it's the right way around. <laughs> if a man changes the nappy... <gasps> They stand and go, isn't he a good dad? Isn't he a good dad? Isn't he's he... overcome his strong independence <laughs> and his leadership skills. He's overcome his desire to throw his baby in the fire <laughs> and go out to hunt a dragon with his bare hands. And look at him. Look at him. Look at him. But the thing is, these male-female characteristics, right, we all have these qualities innate in us. And like, if we called them like masculine and feminine, as opposed to saying feminine qualities are in women, masculine qualities mm. are in men... We all have a balance of masculine and feminine within all of us. Some of us are slightly more balanced towards feminine qualities, some of us towards masculine, not necessarily correlating with gender. But the point is is that women have been socialised to kind of play and enhance their feminine qualities and repress their masculine ones. And if they do play to their masculine ones, they're called, what, ball-breaking, mm. bossy, feisty, controlling, when actually, you know, you wouldn't call a man any of those qualities. Mm. And then men, on no, the other hand... I've never heard a, C- a male CEO called feisty. No. <laughs> what was it, Steve? Yes. Was it Steve, was it Steve Jobs? 
was feisty. <laughs> he was a bit bossy, wasn't he? Ooh, he knows what he wants. Exactly. <laughs> he gets what he wants, doesn't he? Doesn't he? Doesn't Steve Jobs get what he wants? Yes, he does. By <laughs> being, again, a massive cunt. But, but it's okay if you're a man. I mean, also, he was a visionary. He was a visionary cunt, you know. And that's, we need them, we need them. But that's true, what you're saying. And on the flip side, with oh. the feminine qualities, which are just as valid and just as valuable, even in masculinised professions like science or business or politics, the qualities, like you said, compassion, sensitivity, vulnerability, empathy, creativity, imagination, intuition. How important is that? Women are allowed to show those qualities because they're a bit soft and fluffy. But if men show those qualities, they're seen as weak and feeble and soft. And what's interesting is that actually this has not always been the case. Mm. You know, this is only in the last couple of centuries that this association with these feminine qualities as bad and wrong and not letting you do the job has actually come about. When did that kick in? Like, historically, when did crying become girly? <laughs> well, a lot of research has been done into this, and obviously it's very hard to kind of get pinpoint exactly what happened. But if you go back, like, really far back, go back to kind of ancient Greece. So Homer in the Iliad, he writes about the whole Greek army, who were men, crying heroic tears on three occasions, and that being a noble show, a show of nobility, a show of strength, a show of power, a show of virtue, right? It's like if they lost um, the football. Right. Can I... And is that, do you know if there's been any fan fiction written about this? <laughs> can I just... Can I just say sounds... that Sophie had some beautiful handmade badges made when we were in Denmark, and she gave me a lovely Guilty Feminist one, and she also gave me one that said male tears. <laughs> yeah, she had a brooch. So sexy. She had a brooch made. I male now tears. have gone down Camden High Street with a brooch that says male tears. Yeah. Uh, so are you going to write some fan fiction? Oh, I'm going to search for it. And uh, I think most of it will be internal in my brain. <laughs> it sounds incredibly hard. Like, try, but just crying. Yeah. I don't just know anything of that same time line. Sobbing. The Bible, which I know because I used to be quite a religious child. I spent a lot of Mm -hmm. my childhood on my knees. Um, Oh, that sounds fun. Um, It's true, though. That sounds so bad and wrong. Can you please edit that out? No wonder you cry. Edit that out, edit that out, edit that out. The truth is I spent a lot of my late teens and early 20s on my knees. Because my parents decided we should all become Jehovah's Witnesses. So I read the Bible a lot, in lieu of anything else being allowed. And they were always crying in the Bible. Yeah. David cries a lot. Kings cried. Solomon. Jesus cried. Jesus is always crying. And did he? Exactly. Oh, yeah. Wasn't it, he, didn't he have like a fit when the, that, they did something inside of the church? I've never read it. And then he got really upset. He broke something. Oh, you know oh, no, he got angry. I don't know if he cried then when he turned over the tables in the temple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just assuming that's no, what happened. I think he definitely does cry in the Bible. Right. But all the kings cried, and they cried the king... all. They cry when people would die. And the saints and the apostles, if you look at medieval times, the knights of the round table were always crying. They were crying not just of... Really, they were. There's writings about it. You know, Lancelot cried when Guinevere went off for a few days without him. He, <laughs> he did. And he, 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 really? Yes, was he, he did. Lonely? He was lonely, but people congratulated him oh. for it. He didn't hide. 
cried. He didn't like look embarrassed or ashamed. Um, he cried in public in, in big halls full of people. He cried apparently once when he couldn't go to a tournament. And, um, <laughs> and in, instead of people laughing at him um, because he couldn't I'm go and now play the game. Lancelot man up, to be honest. <laughs> go to a tournament. No, and I know, and I have to fight that because I'm a product of the patriarchy. Right. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> So but at the time, they thought he was wise and noble and strong, and they turned things around and let him go to the tournament. I mean, if you compare that to Gaza, crying because he couldn't play in the World Cup, it was yeah. a very different response. We all laughed at him, because mm. it's seen as weak and feeble. One of the theories is that what happened is sort of from the 1700s onwards, around the time where we came out of a kind of feudal and rural living arrangements, there were like 50 to 300 people living in a single village, and it was quite an intimate environment. So people cried naturally because it felt safe and it felt comfortable to do so. Studies have shown we feel better after a good cry, but only if we cry around people that we feel comfortable with. So as we moved into urbanisation, then people are spread out, they're living around strangers, are less likely to want to show their emotions. Plus, this is where it becomes interesting about male-female, because around the same time with the change in the economy, many men were being sent into factories whilst women were staying at home. And so men were in these like very, very intense, busy environments where they were not allowed to talk, they were not allowed to communicate because it distracted them from work, and any show of emotion was amongst a room full of hundreds and hundreds of men. So they were far less likely to want to express their feelings because they would be laughed at or they would be so told off by the foreman. Basically. Exactly, whereas women kept doing what they'd done all along, what everyone had done all along, and kept expressing themselves in these small, intimate communities in homes and families and female-centred small family environments. And so over time, it became... Real men don't cry, put on a brave face, stiff up a lip, get the job done, don't stop, don't talk to people, don't express your feelings, and certainly don't cry. And then by the 1800s, it was sort of the romantic period, and crying became associated with sort of poets and sensitive people and mm. those who are kind of a bit weak and wishy-washy, and the real men go out to work and work hard and don't don't feel anything. Mm. And then, you know, by the time you get to the, sort of the 1900s, then you've got so, so action did heroes or tough. a thing, do you think, that you could afford to cry if you were a romantic poet? But if you're in a factory, yeah, maybe. not so much. Maybe, because if you had to get the job done, mm. then the perception was if you didn't cry and you didn't talk and you didn't even acknowledge what it was to be a human being but just a robot, then you got the mm. job done. But, of course, these days, getting the job done doesn't require you to be a robot. It requires you to actually be a human being and actually bring your full self in the full entirety of who you are and everything that you can offer. So industrialisation mm. was possibly the thing that made people be more robotic, especially men in large marginalised groups. If crying is broadly a feminine quality, if we're all kind of 70-30, you put all the men together, they exacerbated their own worst qualities. And then now we're in a globalised economy, a lot of our jobs are creative, a lot of people are in <coughs> IT, are in jobs where human beings have to understand how other human beings tick. They're not just putting a widget into a, into a hole. Exactly, um, and collaboration is just becoming... <laughs> That's a, that's a sort of filthy corner over there. That is that <laughs> just that corner over there that went. <laughs> Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry, and some well less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs. United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Do you know Brené Brown? Yes, she's, she's wonderful. incredible. She's written some books about vulnerability, mm. and I don't know if it was in a book or if in an interview or wherever it was where she talked about, so when she writes about how vulnerability is an important thing and that we should all feel it more and embrace it, and she talked about after she's been doing uh, talks and speeches and stuff, how men go up to her and kind of like without their wives and go, I sometimes cry. And then when the wife comes over, they're like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, just saying thank you for the words. Um, that's why I was wondering if you got, because I can imagine, I don't know, but if, if men saw your TED talk or saw you talk about these things, allowing them to cry. Absolutely. I've had a lot of positive feedback from a lot of men who've watched that talk and gone, gosh, you know, thank you. Thank you for expressing. Thank you for giving us permission. And lots of people on Twitter saying, you know, I cried at, at this time when my experiments went wrong or I cried at work at this time and it's fine and what's the problem and I think it does just give permission as soon as more people start talking about that it's okay and it's not just okay but it's a good thing then I think people feel validated in being able to express themselves in that way and I think you're right talking about this just helps men to feel that it's something that it's okay to do and I've, I have had a lot of support from men others I've also had a lot of abuse obviously <laughs> from talking about it but I think particularly in men it's so important that we I feel like the most abusive trolls there are at home going, you're a big bitch for saying men cry. That's what they're doing at home, let's be clear. They're crying and wanking. <laughs> are there any evolutionary theories about why we cry? Well, crying shows our vulnerability. In evolutionary terms, it's far better to cry in front of a threat than to get angry because then it's more likely to diffuse the situation. Um, so if we're being attacked and we show our vulnerability, it's more likely that the other person, the other animal, whatever it is, is, is going to back down and actually step away. Is that but- true, though, if you cry in front of a lion? <laughs> so don't give a fuck. I don't know. I don't know. That'll be our next challenge. <laughs> Deborah visits Sue. Sophie visits Lumpkin Zoo. <laughs> Enters the lion cage. So I cried in front of a squirrel. Didn't work. <laughs> but I know. I know. I, I know. If I'm having an argument with my boyfriend and one or other of us actually manages to cry rather than shout at each other or get irritated or cross, then we resolve it far quicker. Far quicker because then it's just this is the reality. This is what's actually going on. This is the hurt. This is what I'm feeling or this is what you're feeling. And and okay, now we can deal with it and move forward and move from it rather than just kind of the, the two options, which I said before, is either pushing it down and disengaging and getting sulky and detached and not wanting to talk, which is totally impossible to move forwards from in a dynamic, be that a work situation or a personal life um, relationship, or you get angry and attack and fight and head fuck and go round and round in circles. And actually, if you can kind of pair all of that away and take all of that away and get into what's really going on say I'm feeling really hurt I'm feeling really sad I'm feeling really like you're not listening to me or that you haven't understood what I've said or that quite frankly I've just had a bad day 
And if we can get to that, have a little cry, maybe go off on our own and do it, maybe ask for a hug, maybe actually just talk about what's going on. In my experience, it's then gone. It literally just moves through and it's gone in five minutes. Mm. Whereas holding on to it, it doesn't help anybody. Is crying ever a weapon, though? Can you ever... It can be. Do you know what I mean? Because I think you can, at times, if you feel like you're losing an argument, not me, but I... <laughs> but somebody might have, at some point, felt like they were losing an argument and started going, well, I mean, if that's how you feel, then don't even worry about it. And because you are emotional, and it's like tears are quite close, and then the other person goes, oh, God, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to upset you, and then you kind of win by default. Yeah, that's not cool. That's definitely not cool. I mean, we say it's not cool, but it does work. <laughs> In a very real way. I have a face that I do. What's and your face? I mean, this won't work on sound, but it's a very cute, pouty face. And I've never, ever dated a man who didn't go, <laughs> when I started doing it. Can we see the face? Let's just see if I can nail it in the first go. It's been a while. It's like watching someone prepare for Wimbledon. <laughs> She's eating a banana. <laughs> She's bouncing a ball. See. I've never done it in front of this many people before. You're very lucky. Oh, men, you might want to close your eyes because it's going to get... It's going to get steamy. Get the job done! Okay. For the listeners at home, um, go to YouTube... And search for Surprised Kitten. (laughs) And you will see it. Uh, I was going for Crying Hamster, but... (laughs) We do a quick... mm. Okay, so uh, everyone close their eyes, as we do at The Guilty Feminist. If you're a woman and you often cry, go... "Mm." Mm. If you like to cry, go... "Mm." Mm. If you sometimes stop yourself crying, go... "Mm." Mm. If you're a man... And you often cry, go, hmm? <laughs> Hello. If you like to cry, go, hmm? <laughs> so more men like to cry than often cry. Oh, oh that's if devastating. You, if you stop yourself crying, go, hmm? Oh, many more men in this room stop themselves crying than cry. That's and many hug. more like crying than let themselves. Men, I want you to go home tonight, get in the bath, <laughs> open the Merlot, get the Kenny G on. No, no, no. Watch Jessie dancing. Watch Jessie no, no, dancing. No. I want all the men to go upstairs to the bar, have a good cry, I'll be right there. <laughs> Sophie will be down here writing fan fiction about you <laughs> crying upstairs. <laughs> from the audience about crying hi there I um I work in the city and I have a job where I work in an office and I go to a lot of meetings I have been known to get a bit tearful in meetings if I feel really strongly about something and I think that's fine because it shows that I'm I feel strongly about something I think that's important but everyone else in the room obviously thinks I'm crazy (laughs) so I was wondering do any of you have a killer line where you just explain what's going on so everybody gets over it and moves on I would say I'm just being a human being. I'm just feeling something. Give me a moment, and then I'll tell you what it's all about. I usually go for the bit more aggressive one. Where <laughs> I go, what, are you dead inside? <laughs> but aggression doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, I think in situations like that, I've said, I think 
it's important that, you know, I let you know how I feel and it's a real compliment to you that I can cry in front of you because I feel like our relationship is strong enough that I can really show you how strongly I'm feeling. And they've bought that every time. (laughs) Really, most of us, a lot of people, feel uncomfortable about our own emotions. So when we see somebody else crying, our natural response is to go, oh, my God, oh, my God, please stop, shut up. Um, Oh, everything's fine, everything's fine, there's nothing to cry about, Um, which is just, for me, something awful for someone to say to me when I'm crying. I was Mm. like, well, you're telling me that not only do I feel worried that I shouldn't be crying, but now you're telling me that the reason I'm crying isn't a good enough reason anyway. Um, (laughs) Or even worse, is to kind of throw your arms around somebody and and try and give them a hug and they're just like, get off. (laughs) So I think if someone is uncomfortable, then be compassionate for them that they're feeling a little bit uncomfortable and, you know, if necessary, just remind yourself that it is saying more about them. And being able to express it in this way will actually give me more access in just a few minutes' time to how to what's actually going on and to be able to think much more clearly so that I can then solve the problem and do what, what you're asking me to do. So all mm. these years I've been doing the thing that the expert would recommend, just mm. intuitively. That's impressive, isn't it? <laughs> more questions? <laughs> So I was wondering um, if you could comment on maybe cultural differences in crying. Because, I mean, anecdotally, I suppose passionate countries, maybe the men are seen to cry more, but I don't know how... Why, why would that be, and is it is it true? So why do men cry more in Italy? <laughs> so, so, this is, so this is really interesting, because it's very hard to quantify this, but some studies have shown that in countries where people in general are more emotionally expressive, that those same countries report um, greater satisfaction and basically more happiness. So one could say that, yes, in different cultures, in different countries, where it's more socially acceptable to cry, then perhaps those people are happier. I mean, I know that for a lot of men it's very difficult to cry. You talked about Denmark. My boyfriend's half Danish. Congratulations. And, um, <laughs> You're welcome. And I love it when he cries. And I, and, 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 I would and say Denmark's Dane's a happy place. A, really? Denmark's a happy place. It's quite a cold I, climate. No, there's a, I oh, that's saw, further north. I saw a Danish movie. I forget its name. I think it's called After the Wedding, it's Susanna Beer. And there's a scene where a couple are arguing and they're both crying, like bawling their eyes out. In the most, it feels so realistic. It's like, oh, yeah, that is most arguments. Mm. And when I saw that, I thought, oh, okay, I shouldn't be too harsh on Denmark because there are some things in Danish, like cinema and culture, where I feel like it's a bit more okay. Well, it's a bit, in Denmark, it's a bit, in all other countries than in Britain. <laughs> It's a bit more allowed to show emotions. It, it, exactly. It's Britain that's the real problem. Because if we, if we look... It really is. If, you can say no, that, I can. No, it really Not is. I mean, if, if, you, if you look at, like... So, for example, when Princess Diana died, about, when was it, 20 years ago? One of the reporters on TV looked at the two young princes and said, gosh, isn't it amazing how brave they are? Um, and praised them for being so brave that they didn't cry. And wasn't that a wonderful thing? Because in our society, it's seen as the thing to do, the noble thing to do, the powerful thing to do, is not to cry. And if you look at the horrific attacks in Paris last year, there was a a male reporter on the BBC who broke down quite understandably in tears and then felt the need to apologise because he was so embarrassed that he'd done something bad and Mm. wrong. That probably wouldn't have happened in any other country. It's just a valve, isn't it? It's just a valve. Right. I remember, obviously, you know, 9-11, just awful scenes on the street with people absolutely hysterical, completely understandably. And then we had 7-7 here. And I remember an American news crew on the street trying to get some response from British people. And the British people kept, they kept doing this. Well, yes, I mean, it's rather awkward now because, you know, there are no more 24 buses. So now I'm going to have to catch a 78. And that's really put me out. I mean, I'm probably going to end up walking, if I'm honest. And they all talked about the alternative transport routes. And this American, right. this American 
whatever channel hopping I was doing, I had some cable on or something. This American was kept going, but how do you feel? And they were like, well, pretty inconvenienced. <laughs> We were all devastated by 7-7 and clearly we were all, you know, worked up by it. But our valve was to talk about transport and weather. <laughs> it isn't to go, it's just... Uh, and I'm sure some people cried on that day and I'm not saying nobody did, but that particular news footage was very, very British in people just going, I've, I've closed the valve, I've closed the valve. Uh, mm. Stop asking me to show emotion. And um, that's why I moved here. <laughs> <laughs> Please give a round of applause for the amazing Dr Emily Grassman. What would you like us to look at? Okay, so generally what I'm up to, um, I do a lot of talks at science festivals and in schools. Um, do you have a website? I, I was going to say, so everything that I'm up to at the moment will be on my website, which is www.emilygrossman.co.uk, or you can follow me on Twitter, which is at Dr. Emily Grossman. I'll probably be talking about all sorts of stuff that I'm doing. And we can also find your TED Talk. Yes, you can find my TEDx talk, which is Why Science Needs People Who Cry, which is on the TEDx YouTube channel. I've got a YouTube channel myself, and there's various other videos on there, but you can get to all of that through my website. Brilliant. Amazing. Sophie Hagen. Yes, I'll be doing my new show, which has now been approved of Not Crying Safe by Deborah Francis White. <laughs> um, I'll be doing that. I'm doing it in Edinburgh this August. I'm going on tour with it in the UK, a tiny bit in Europe. Uh, I have six dates in Denmark in February. And uh, so I'll be doing that, and you should come and see that. I'm on Twitter at Sophie Hagen, S-O-F-I-E-H-A-G-E-N. What about you, Deborah? I have another podcast called Global Pillage, which is a spin-off of this from a representation challenge. It's a diversity and inclusion comedy panel show. You can find it at globalpillage.net. I write for Standard Issue, which you can find at standardissue.com. Oh, yeah, that's another thing. I mean, it seems weird to plug this to you guys because you're in here, but for people at home... I mean, don't you, wouldn't you recommend people to come and see the live show? Yeah. Yeah. I really think you should. If, on guiltyfeminist.com, you can go and find the live dates. We're going to be all over the country in the next six months' time. And we've done some in Denmark. We've done them in Manchester. We're going to be doing them in Sheffield and Exeter mm-hmm. and loads more in London. And it's, I mean, like 20% of this is going to be cut out. So you're really lucky that you get to see this. So if you come and see it live, you get to see us say horrifically racist things. <laughs> So follow us on Instagram at The Guilty Feminist and on Facebook. We have an amazing group. Is anyone in here a member of the group? Do you recommend it? Yes. The rest of you, will you join the group? Yes. Good, thank you. It's really fun. It's really supportive. People come on and they just say things like on the group. So today I went to a meeting and I cried and this happened and that happened and now I feel a bit And proud. everyone's like, okay, Deborah, calm down. <laughs> Twitter at GuiltFemPod and please 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 go, please please go to iTunes and rate and subscribe uh, subscribe to the podcast give like a five star rating to or whatever star. rating you think it I deserves I broke my pen I broke my pen of anger no get, give it five stars you have been listening to The Guilty Feminist with me Sophie Hager and I mean, what have we seen this week? A load of men went round in a bus, a topical hashtag feature, but a load of men went round in a bus saying, oh, we know how to run the country without the European Union. And then half the population went, all right then, do that. 
And then the men went, I, I resign. <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.